Well, greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This afternoon, I'm so excited this afternoon that we're going to get into the Word again. It's going to be an exciting time where God is just going to enrich us through the preaching of His Word. Today, we're going to continue to build on the book of John. and We're going to go to John chapter 3 and we're going to read from verse 22. Now, we've just concluded or just come to the end of the dialogue with Jesus and Nicodemus. What an exciting few verses that we have discovered from verse 1 to 22 about being born again about regeneration. And now we're going to see again, John is reintroducing to the, onto the scene, John the Baptist, and how exciting this preacher is. I'm just always so blown away every time when I read about John through the Gospels, my whole outlook about John's ministry has changed. I've never seen humility to the humility of the level of John the Baptist, and it amazes me. I mean, this is really for us as preachers in the 21st century church, our purpose, redefining our purpose, and why we are preaching, and what are we preaching for. And we're going to look at this few verses today, and it's going to enlighten us, it's going to enrich us, and it's going to bring new life and new hope to us about this exciting preacher, John the Baptist. As we go to John chapter 3, verse 22 to 30. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. Judea was a city of Judah, and that's why it's Judea. And there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there and people were coming and were being baptized. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified. Behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. That is exciting words. And then he concludes by saying, he must increase, but I must decrease. Glory be to God. Let's get ready. We're going to speak on a few points through this few verses. And I believe you're going to be impacted and empowered. And it's going to bring us to a place also of repentance. It's also going to bring us to a place of refocusing. And it's going to be, bring us to a place where we're going to come to ask God and pray to God to be, to be humble preachers. Today, if I could title this message, I would definitely title it, He Must Increase and I Must Decrease. But we're going to look at the humility of John the Baptist. As a subtitle, we're going to look at the humility of John the Baptist or slash the minister of God. And this can also go for every worker in the kingdom of God. Now we read from verse 22. And these things Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. Now we understand that the Bible says, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. According to study, it shows that he had about six months to spend with the disciples. This was six months of importation, getting to know one another. It was an exciting six months for these disciples to spend time with the Creator the eternal God, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Hallelujah. They are gonna, They were spending those six or three to six months of precious time with Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing it is, or thing it is for us to spend time with Christ. 
What an amazing opportunity. What an amazing time it is for us to have quiet time, to be in our prayer closets, to have that secret time with the Lord, to be hidden away with God. Sometimes there's ministers that breaks away and has this quiet times with the Lord and they encounter God in in ways that are beyond imagination. And some of these ministers come out of these times of quietness with the Lord, full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, and they are burning firebrands for Jesus Christ. Here we find that these disciples had some quality time with the Master. They had some quality time with the Christ. They came back, then they were baptizing in Judea. They were baptizing in Judea. And John was also baptizing in Anon, near Salim. Because there was much water there. This place is called the Seven Springs. The Seven Springs. So there were seven springs of water in this particular place. And people were coming and were being baptized. Hallelujah. I love those words. People were coming. I declare today, people are going to come into your church. People are going to come to your crusades. People are going to come to your conferences. People are going to start coming again. And they are coming from everywhere. They are coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They're going to get saved. And they're going to be baptized for the glory of God. Hallelujah. For John had not yet been thrown in prison. When we read this particular portion of, of scripture, we understand that this period of time or this interim was between Jesus after Jesus temptation and after um, before John's being beheaded and so this has been this 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 particular portion of scripture that we are looking at today is between this time frame and it's so exciting to look at the life of John the Baptist because one is so stirred up through this great great man of God great great man of God we never read any one of his miracles. He never did a miracle, but he stayed true to his calling. And that, I believe, is a message for the 21st century church and for each and every single one of us to remain true to our call, to what we have been called to. And this was exactly what John did. John did not want anyone to follow him. His ministry was to point people to the Lamb of God and to urge people to trust Jesus. Hallelujah. John was baptizing people and he was baptizing people by immersion as we did it earlier on in John chapter 1. We spoke about how the Pharisees came and asked him who gave him the permission under whose authority is he doing this baptism because they were not used to people being baptized by somebody else. They were used to people baptizing themselves when they became proselytes, when they were when they were now um, basically like initiated into the Jewish Faith, they had to baptize themselves. Now, this new baptism that they began to see, John baptizing people, immersing people into water, and they were baptized. And this was troublesome to the to the to religious people of the day. Now, we know when God is busy with a new move or doing something very exciting in the earth, we know there's always gonna be critics, there's always gonna be enemies, there's always gonna be there's always gonna be those who rise up against the move of God. There has been throughout the centuries, throughout the decades people has experienced the power of God like never before and we always found, found out that there's a counter-attack to the power of God or to a move of God. And yes, something is about to happen, something new is happening, something is springing forth. John the Baptist, the forerunner, is introducing the Messiah. It has been prophesied about him. It has been spoken about him. But unto those that are challenging him, they have been blinded to the text. Hallelujah. They have been blinded to this moment. They cannot see. They cannot experience it. They cannot. They do not know it. Hallelujah. 
they they knew the facts of the scriptures but they never knew the truths hallelujah they could not they did not know the truth they knew the facts but not the truth of the scripture so they knew everything about the scripture but they could not see this the pharisees just could not understand what was happening now we understand water baptism is very important they were baptizing people unto repentance but we know that this was before jesus died and after jesus died jesus then said go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and of the holy spirit we know that when we get saved we get baptized hallelujah baptism it's an outward show of what we have done inwardly of our confession or what we have or our our how can we say it's like a it's not like it is you know we were it's an outside or outer um um we are just, we are doing uh, being baptized sometimes one just gets tangled up in one's words you know but it's being baptized and it's basically what we have you know basically it's what we have confessed we have confessed our sins we are new creations in christ and now we go to water baptism as a a symbol of what we have confessed hallelujah so it, it's just in a nutshell that is basically just in a nutshell but very exciting to know that what happened as they were baptizing but the bible says and jesus disciples was baptizing not jesus himself but his disciples were baptizing and then there there's now an encounter therefore there arose a discussion on the part of john's disciples with a jew about purification with a jew about purification to some this jew was nicodemus hallelujah so there was an argument between the disciples of of john and the jew about this whole baptism about what's happening at this uh, about this whole baptism thing that is happening and so his disciples were were surely hot-headed new believers you know sometimes new believers whenever they have discovered christ in the beginning they are ready to challenge any person and sometimes they challenge people without real knowledge amen they just go at it and there's always big fights and sometimes um there's big things that happen in these encounters you know people encounter people that um challenges them challenge them about their faith challenge them about what they are doing and sometimes these things become ugly i've already witnessed many of these events turn out to be quite ugly when people have this discussion that turn into heated debates and it began on the grounds on the matter of purification but then it soon moved to another level which we will do a little bit later as we go on through this particular text so in john 3 25 the bible says that um they had a dispute with a jew and um, this jew could have been possibly as i said nicodemus um but we cannot possibly say that um that uh, there's been a debate concerning around this particular point so the matter of purif purification was very very important to the jewish people because under the old testament law it was necessary for them to keep themselves ceremonially clean if they were to serve god and please him but unfortunately the pharisees added so many extra traditions to the law that observing it became a burden so it became a burden when people had to do all of these extra things that were added to it and so they were very about their law very very zealous about their law but the bible says they had a zeal without knowledge so they had a zeal without knowledge so they were very very zealous sometimes we can have we can be zealous about something but without having real knowledge about it and sometimes when we are like that it can lead to unnecessary disputes in our walk with christ we sometimes discover that when some truth is is vague to us or some truth is not um, something that we at the moment when we listen to it that we receive it immediately 
that we then um, challenge using the people that 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 that, that speaks this truth to us. And sometimes this becomes becomes turns out to hot disputes, you know, because we don't understand the truth, and sometimes we challenge it. And I've come to understand over the time that I'm now serving the Lord, sometimes the truth might not make sense to me. I should not shoot it down immediately. I should give it time to sometimes for me to go and study about it, to look into, to be like the Berean Christians, you know, to understand some truth so that I do not just um, shoot down everything or just discard of everything. Because sometimes there is a lot of truth that we sometimes discard of and later on we are embarrassed when God reveals this truth to us and now we realize how we insulted somebody concerning this truth and this revelation. So these Pharisees were caught up in that and John's disciples being being on fire, being, being you know, burning with a zeal for God and, and being caught up in that moment where they just wanted to share and just preach and so people had confronted them. I mean, when I am when I became a new believer, whenever people spoke against God about things that I didn't agree with, it would always end in hot dispute. But we thank God that God has brought us from there to where we are right now. We have known that people have sometimes ended up fighting because of these disputes. Um, and so... Religion is sometimes, or religion is an ugly thing. And um, these Jews were caught up in religion and traditions, and um, it was, it, it just, it was not, it was not good. And sometimes we are caught up in religion, and we don't really see that. And sometimes we are really caught up in the traditions of our church, but that are not biblical, because most biblical laws in certain churches have been man-made and not God-inspired. And so we find that this has brought much confrontation and much hardships in certain denominations but we thank god today that there's going to be a change after this message i pray that your heart will be touched and our hearts will be open unto john the baptist and look how john the baptist responded to people i love him because the way he knew his assignment he knew his place he knew what he was called to do and that is exciting and that is what i pray for each and every one of us is that we know to what god has called us and the Bible says that they came to, to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have um, testified, behold, he has been baptized, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So when we look at this, we understand that John's disciples were now bringing John into a place where they were bringing him into a situation where they wanted him to compete against Jesus. For some reason, I tried to wrestle with this scripture because I was thinking that how John and Andrew caught this, but there were other disciples that didn't catch this, but could have been with John at the Jordan, seeing what happened, and even hearing John preaching about, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and they heard the message, they heard the message, but the message did not get to them like it got to Andrew and John, because Andrew and John started following Christ when John pointed their way to Christ. And we find this in the body of Christ and through the church ages, you know, that people follow a man more than they follow Christ. And some people are caught up in the doctrine of a man than what they are caught up in the doctrines of the Bible. And we find that people then are find themselves in bondage and they they become cultic and they become and they form cults and it has become crazy over the centuries and over the decades how people has formed cults out of people's teachings and and they started following a man and not god and we're going to see how john deciphers this and how peter or how paul also dealt with it throughout through the word of god and it is exciting to look into this and here we see they are trying to come bring these two to um john and jesus into you know a competitive situation 
Let me know this is a no-go area because John never, never sought to glorify himself. We find this throughout the word of God. We find this in the in the time when Moses, when people were prophesying in the camp and they came to report the people and Moses just let it go because Moses wanted people you know, Moses was not looking for this fame and fortune or this popularity. He didn't want to be the only guy that could do something. And today, this is what we struggle with. When new prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists rise up, we try to always destroy people's ministries or try to, to destroy their ministries because we think we should be the only kids on the block doing these things. And this has brought so much division and has broken up the church and many disputes and many things has happened in the body of Christ because of this mindset. And we because of this attitude where people will bring rivalry and, 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 and things between ministers because we are competing with our denominations and competing with our churches. And this has brought the body of Christ to be divided. And the body of Christ cannot be divided, especially in the time in which we are living. We need to be united. We need to stand together. We need to be one. And there's always these people, always groups of people trying to bring division, always zealous people within a denomination or congregation trying to divide the body of Christ. You know, these zealous um, um, people without knowledge or without these people they are so full of zeal but have no knowledge. And they bring division and sow discord and make enemies between people that are supposed to work together and stand together. And today our communities are divided, our churches are divided into race and, and into into you know different barriers has been put up because of all of this but john diffuses this and this is what i believe in our time that we need to diffuse this weapon of the enemy that has been formed against the body of christ in our cities in our nations in our communities that we will become one we will become one and we see that john's disciples tried it jesus disciples also tried it in the book of luke 9 46 to 50 when somebody was baptizing and they reported him to jesus and jesus said if he's not if he's not if he's not um against us then he's for us and jesus tried to bring clarity and paul even in the book of philippians 1 verse 15 to 18 hallelujah we, we learn from this, and it's a very important lesson, that a leader often suffers more from his zealous disciples than from his critics. From his zealous disciples than from his critics. And look at how Paul saw. Paul saw people preaching, some for good, some for bad. And Paul said, as long as the gospel is being preached, as long as the gospel is being preached, the people with their motives, their motives will get judged at that day, according to the book of Corinthians, when it gets put through the fire. But Paul is saying, as long as it is being preached. Father, I pray that we will become a church that will promote and lift one another up. We will not be there to cast down one another or break down one another but we will be there to support and pray for one another and lift one another up in the name of jesus christ hallelujah we find that when two popular preachers are involved in similar work it's easy for both friends and enemies to get caught up in competition and comparison and we see that john amazing as i said earlier on john's reaction to this how john handled this controversy is amazing to me hallelujah before how we handle it number one he's, he began by stating his conviction he knew that all ministry and blessings come from god so there can be no competition he says a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from above all gifts comes from god everything comes from god so why would there be competition because every good and perfect gift 
comes from above. But the one thing about John is that I believe a preacher said to me many years ago, a preacher said when I asked him, how do you have longevity in ministry? He said this to me, he said, stay in your lane. And this is what we see about John. John knew the secret about staying in his lane. Hallelujah. He knew that he was in subordinate. He was, he was a subordinate to Christ. He knew as the forerunner. Hallelujah. And that God had granted him this sovereign ministry that God has granted him the sovereign ministry and he's going to stick on this course until he is done. Everything among God's servants, including popular ministry, is a gracious gift from God, not something to which a person is entitled. Some people are bigger than others. Some people reach more people than others. Rainer Bonke spoke to a couple of million people face to face. They said Billy Graham spoke to 200 million people face to face. Oral Roberts had massive 10 crusades. We had Jack Cohen and massive 10 crusades. But each one operated under a different level of grace. Each one attracted different types of crowds. Now, some Sometimes over the centuries, there has been people that has been in competition and disputes and, oh, you know, and it brought disputes amongst their, amongst their members, amongst those who follow them. But this is not the way of God. And that is how John diffused this. He wants us all to remember what we have, we have received from the Lord. Therefore, there is no place for jealousy as John as John's reply was to his disciples. He wanted them to know everything is from God and we should live by that and know that. Even when we look at the Apostle Paul, if we look at 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 to 9, Paul writes this and he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual man, but as to man of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able for you are still fleshly. Listen how Paul describes the people, fleshly. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I'm, I am Paul, and another, I'm a Paulus, are you not mere men? What then is a Paulus? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one, I planted a Paulus watered, but God causes and gives the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. But each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Hallelujah. So Paul was looking at his Corinthians that were so proud and so full of pride. Hallelujah. Who were lining themselves under the banner of spiritual heroes, which is such a thing in our generation today. People lining them under, under some spiritual hero, which is not what God has wanted for the body. The Bible says that even the gifts, the gifts was given so that we could minister to one another, so that it could benefit the body of Christ. And we have now made certain gifts, like, in, you know, some, some gifts, some people are this and some people are that. And we have brought division in the church, which God is not happy because they, some of them were saying, Paul is mine, Apollos is mine, and Caiaphas, and they were busy doing all of this. We see this in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 12. Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am Paul, I am a, of Apollos, and I am Caiaphas, and I am of Christ. Hallelujah. These people were focusing on the alliance with their leaders, but they were not fully following Christ. And we find that more people are so much more excited to be connected to a certain person than be connected to Christ 
First, my greatest joy must be in my connection to Christ. Then God sets me up with people in different places, in different ways that I can connect with them or people that opens up doors. But these people are aligned by God. These people are used by God for, for, for different things in our lives. But our first passion and love must be for God. And that is what Paul encouraged them. Hallelujah. He asked them a question in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 13. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Later in that same apostle, he demanded, when one says, I am of Paul and another man for Paulus, are you not mere men? When then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each. That is what he said, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each. Because we, we, we came to preach the gospel and you believe because of the message we preach. But you do not belong to us. You belong to Christ. My God, you belong to Christ. We fight over people when they belong to Christ. Thus, all genuine ministry is Christ-centered. For no man can lay a foundation either than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. No man can lay any other foundation except that which is Jesus Christ. Our gifts and opportunities come from God and he alone must get the glory. When we continue further, hallelujah, when we understand that, that our gifts and graces come from God and through this he must receive glory. He must receive all glory, all honor. Now we honor man. We love man. We thank God for all the man and woman of God that is sacrificing, laying down their lives, leading us, imparting to us, giving us spiritual insight and wisdom. We're never going to despise that. But this, I believe, John is bringing order to the church. This is a message for the hour where John is bringing order to the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So John now again goes and in verse 28 he says you yourselves are my witnesses that i said i am not the christ but i have been sent ahead of him so he's bringing more emphasis he may he says you know i have said i'm not the christ i've never confessed i am the christ we know that the bible says the voice of one is crying in the wilderness make ready the way of the lord make his path straight this was john's message this was john believed he was the voice in the wilderness he was making the path straight for christ to come nothing had said could account for the misunderstanding of his role. On the, on the counter, we understand that he maintained his place as the forerunner of the Messiah. And he said continuously, I am not the Messiah. He was continuously referring people to Christ. And that is where we need to love in people. We need to refer people continually to Jesus Christ. That should be the church is the signpost. We are referring people to Christ. We are not building our own heaven. We are not building our own kingdom. We are referring people to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. John saw Jesus increasing in popularity, not as a concern to him, but as the full fulfillment of his ministry. Far from upsetting him, it brought him great, great joy. That was John. Far from being upset for what has happened, it brought John much joy. When John could see the impact of Christ's ministry, then he knew he was fulfilling his ministry. Therefore, somebody wrote, and I quote, The measure of success for any ministry is not how many people follow the minister, but how many people follow Christ through the minister. That is so powerful. How many people follow Christ through the minister? And that should be our goal. How many people are following Jesus 
through me. Not how many people are following me. How many people's lives am I impacting to follow Jesus? That should be key. Because we're not making people dependent upon us. We're making people dependent upon Christ. And that is the purpose of everyone. Jesus said, make disciples. Not make disciples for yourself, but make disciples. Make disciples of the kingdom. Make disciples. Make disciples. People that will follow me. People that will follow my teachings and the way, my way of, of my instructions in the Bible. Make disciples. Come on. Come on, pastor. Come on, child of God. Let us make disciples. Let's make disciples. Let people become Christ followers. People are not becoming Ashwin followers. People are not becoming whoever followers. People are becoming Christ followers. In verse 29, he says, He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. Then John used the, a powerful and beautiful illustration. He compared Jesus to the bridegroom and himself only to the best man. The image of the bridegroom could would have been significant to the Jewish people, for Jehovah had a marriage covenant with the nation. Israel had been unfaithful to her vows, and God had to put her away temporarily. The day God is calling out people for his name, the church, the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. One day the bridegroom will come to claim his bride and take her to a her home in heaven. We see this in Revelations 19, verse 6 to 9. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It has given to her to... Sorry, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. We are the bride of Christ. So we understand that through this, through this illustration, once the bridegroom and the bride had been brought together, the work of the best man was completed. What a foolish thing it would be for the best man to try to upstage the bridegroom and take his place. John's joy was to hear the voice of the bridegroom and know that he had claimed his bride. Even before his birth, John the Baptist rejoiced in the Lord, according to Luke 1, 44. John was content to be the voice announcing Jesus to the world. To the world. Hallelujah. That was his contentment, announcing Jesus to the world. And that should be ours too. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness make straight the way of the Lord as Isaiah the prophet said Jesus was the light and John the Baptist was the witness pointing towards the light hallelujah therefore the Bible says in John 1 6 to 8 in the prologue there came a man sent from God whose name was John he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him he was not the light but he came to testify about the light often we find that as a as a as a publisher wrote once, a Christian publisher wrote this. Often press releases and book reviews across my desk along with conference folders and at times I am perturbed by what I read. Very few speakers and writers are ordinary people. They are world travelers, are noted lecturers or have addressed huge audiences. They are always in great demand and their ministries are described in such ways that they make the Apostle Paul a midget by comparison. A Presbyterian pastor in Melbourne, Australia introduced J. Hudson Taylor by using many 
many big words to 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 describe John Hudson, J. Aston Taylor, sorry. Especially the word great. Taylor stepped to the pulpit and quietly said, Dear friends, I am the little servant of an illustrious master. If John the Baptist in heaven heard that statement, he must have shouted, Hallelujah! Because that was John the Baptist's art. Hallelujah. Unlike his jealous disciples, John found great joy in phasing out so that the ministry of Christ could receive Israel's full attention. Having brought him the bride and faithful friend of the bridegroom rejoices greatly because he hears the bridegroom's voice expressing joy over the bride. In ancient times or in the time the bride had to bring, or sorry, the best man had to bring the bride to the bridegroom. Leon Morris observed something. It is not particularly easy in this world to gather followers about one for serious purpose, but when they are gathered, it is infinitely harder to detach them and firmly insist that they go after another. It is the measure of John's greatness that he just did that. And that was John leading people to Christ was his greatest joy. That was where he found great, great joy. Hallelujah. And this should be our joy is that people are finding Jesus Christ more and more. And when we look at this particular quote, we could also refer to the time when, when Andrew and John followed Jesus. He did not hold on to them because his main purpose was behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And we find these two disciples after they beheld the Lamb of God, the Bible then says that they went to follow Jesus and Jesus asked, what are you seeking? And they said, where are you staying? And they spent the night with Christ. And when they came out of that moment, they were filled with revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. Hallelujah. We must understand that it is God's will for John to give away to give way to Jesus. It was the will of God for John to give way to Jesus. There was no reason for the crowds to hang around, around John once the king had arrived. Because he understood this, John the Baptist joyously accepted God's plan for his ministry. And so, so should we. We should understand our main goal in ministry is that our goal is to lead people to Jesus Christ, not to ourselves. Then John ends this wonderful portion of scripture by saying, he must increase, but I must decrease. So John summarized his view of himself in relation to Jesus in perhaps the most humble statement uttered by anyone in scripture. His authority and influence among the people must grow. His doctrine shall continue to spread until it extends through all the earth. The purpose of my ministry is to point man to him. When that is done, my work is done. I came not to form a party of my own, nor to set up a religion of my own. And my teachings must cease when he is fully established as the light of the morning star, fades away and is not lost in the beams of the rising sun. This was the humility of John. John wanted Christ to be honored more than him. It shows us also that is that it is sufficient honor for man if we are permitted to point sinners to the Lord Jesus Christ. No work is so honorable and joyful as the ministry of the gospel. None are so highly honored as those who are permitted to stand near the Son of God. 
lead perishing man to the cross. What great joy is that not just for us. That is a great, great joy. And I pray that we capture this and understand this beautiful life of John, this beautiful portion of scripture. It just so amazes me. Every time I read about John, I am so, I am so, and I'm, I'm enlightened, I'm encouraged, and I am, I, I'm humbled. You know, not humble. I, it's, I, it wants to bring a humility in me as a minister of the gospel. I, I, it's something that amazes me. It's something that amazes me. It's something that when we look around, we do not see this in ministry. We do not really see this genuineness of humility in man and woman. Hallelujah. And um, this is the prayer of my heart is that we will have this heart as John had. You know, we will have this very heart in serving. We'll have this very heart of making Christ known. This will be our main purpose. Our main goal is to magnify Jesus in our ministry, magnify Jesus through our lives, magnify Jesus in everything that we do. It's my greatest desire of all. And that is what I want to get to. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Therefore, Daniel 12 verse 3 says, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. John the Baptist shows us that we may be very popular and outwardly successful, but yet still be humble. John the Baptist had fame and crowds that modern celebrity pastors could only dream of, yet he was an example of genuine humility. I pray that the same humility will be in the heart of each and every one of us. Let's ask God today that we remain humble. No matter how big we get, no matter how famous we become, no matter, no matter how much followers we have on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook, that we will remain humble. That we will remain humble just like John. And remember our assignment is to point men to God and not to reflect or to point any person to ourselves, that we will not gather followers for ourselves, but that we will get followers for Christ. Father, I pray that this will be the desire of every single believer, that Lord, that we are here to win souls so that your kingdom can grow, Father, that more people will get to know you, Father, as we reach them with genuine hearts, Father, that they will become followers of Christ. And so, Lord, today, as we give ourselves unto you, Lord, to be ministers of the gospel, and Father, as the promise of Daniel says, O oh God, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Father, I pray, O oh God, as we look at the many stars, the Billy Grahams, Oral Roberts, as we look at um, the Reinhard Bonkers, the Smith Wigglesworths, as we look at the uh, George Jeffries and the many, many that has gone before us, the D.L. Moody's and the Catherine Coomans and the so many, Father, that are today shining stars because they want many to salvation. Lord, that our hearts will be humbled before you, Father, and we will never forget the main thing, and that is to point people to Jesus Christ. I give you all the praise. I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.